I was nearly going to be like a teacher there and make everyone move forward two rows since there's two blank rows here. <laughs> but I won't do that. But you can sit there, you know, none of us smell on the front row or anything. Anyway, <laughs> we're continuing our series on Ephesians and this morning we're looking at all of chapter 3. I'm not quite sure why Paul gets his split up and I get a whole chapter, but anyway... Um, this is a letter um, written to the church for the church by Paul, and he's writing it from jail. And last week, Paul, this Paul here on the front, spoke about the second half of chapter two. And you know, much of that related to our relationships with one another. We talked about the barriers between Jew and Gentile, how they've been broken down in Christ. A new people has been established with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So as we go into chapter 3, we see again this revealed mystery of the gospel. It's not just about my salvation. It's not just about us as individuals, but it's about the formation of a new people of God. And in this chapter, we see the importance of the church. And this year um, at Vineyard National Leaders Conference, the theme was Christ, his church, his cause. And Ellie Mumford, um, who's her and John lead the Vineyard Church in the UK and Ireland, she did three amazing talks and they were actually based on Ephesians. And I really encourage you to listen to them online if you get a chance. But she quoted this guy, Chuck Colson, who said, Church is like Noah's Ark. The stench on the inside would be unbearable if it wasn't for the storm on the outside. And then she also quoted Rick Warren, who said, I love the church of Jesus Christ with all my heart. Despite her errors due to our sinfulness, it remains the most magnificent creation. So one of the things we'll be looking at this morning is the importance of the church. And to be honest, when I was like preparing for this and, and getting ready to speak like this, it was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I've really enjoyed, you know, delving into this chapter, delving deeper into scripture and what we've been doing in church these past Sundays and kind of working out what God's saying to us through the Bible. And as I was thinking about this, um, I had this picture in my mind and Google Images didn't quite do it justice, but I've tried. I think my image was better but anyway um, it's kind of these two pictures here and I just thought many of us are like the top picture there we're like the kids um, playing at the water's edge splashing about having fun paddling jumping over the waves all the things we do as kids when we're at the beach and it is really fun there you know it's great don't knock it it's brilliant we all love doing that but I feel like God's calling us to go deeper like scuba divers you know, look at the picture underneath. There's so much vibrancy there. There's so much color. There's so much to see and explore. And it's a bit more of an effort to get on your scuba diving gear and go right down to the deep. It's not as easy or straightforward maybe as paddling around the edge. But I really think this is true for us, all of us. For me, I'm saying this to myself as well. Not just about our reading of the Bible, but about many other aspects of our faith. I think that God is really calling us to go deeper. So um, Paul's just going to come and read Ephesians 3, because that's what he makes me do. I forgot about that bit. Oh, I haven't even practiced. Are there any tricky words? Okay. For this, so we're in chapter 3, and it's the whole of the chapter. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. 
In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Stop there. Right, I'm going to read the rest after because it's so much. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just want to go straight in and start looking at um, these first few verses. And the first thing I want to look at is revelation and response. So we see in verse 2 to 7 how the grace of God gave Paul this message in ministry. And this first wee bit is auto, almost autobiographical because we're hearing about Paul himself. And you know, Paul was a pious religious Jew. He had a deep working knowledge of scripture. But that knowledge wasn't enough for him to really grasp the gospel. The mystery was made known to Paul, and it's made known to us by God's grace. You know, we read before when we were looking at chapter 2, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So that is revelation. And I was talking to Elaine during the week about this passage and speaking on it, and she said to me, oh, you've got God's great secret. And as she said that, I just imagined all of us like little kids, you know, like when a kid has a secret and you say, right, don't tell anyone. They just can't help themselves. They're just so excited and they want to give it away. They're busting to tell. And it just made me think, you know, is that what we're like? You know, this amazing grace we've received, God's great secret. Are we exploding with excitement to tell, to share this secret with other people? Because that's God's revelation to Paul and to us. And I wanted to show you verse 4 to 6 in the message version of the Bible. It says, as you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling insiders and outsiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. And I just love the way this is written. You know, he, the Jews and Gentiles that we hear in the NIV, here they're described as insiders and outsiders. And in God's kingdom, there are no insiders and outsiders. You know, Paul shared last week from chapter 2, the barriers are broken down. Um, and that's what we want for our community, barriers of religion, race, social standing, where you're from, what school you went to, you can add to the list, whatever it is. We want those barriers to be broken down. We all stand on the same ground before God. We all get the same offer, the same help, the same promises in Christ. 
And that's what we want for our church as well. And that's why we say, come as you are. You know, this message is accessible and welcoming to everyone. And that's what we want to be. And I was thinking about this. I just think, you know, there's some of us even here and we feel like outsiders. We feel like we don't belong. Maybe it is because of where we're from. Maybe it's because of our past. Maybe it's because of the things that we've done. You know, many of us know in our heads that we're forgiven, but we still carry shame from the things that have been done to us or what we have done. Or maybe we feel like we're not this person described here who has heard of God all their lives, so we just feel on the outside. And the message for you today is you're standing on the same ground as everyone else. You know, because of God's great secret, because of this grace revealed, because of Christ, you are no longer on the outside. You are welcomed in. And so we see the revelation to Paul, the grace of God, the promise in Christ that we all stand on the same ground. And you know that you've probably read the story in the Bible or heard it in Sunday school. On the road to Damascus, this was revealed to Paul and it turned his life upside down. You know, he, he knew so much about the scriptures. He was so knowledgeable, but he had to radically rethink all of that, what it really meant and how it was fulfilled in Christ. So that was the revelation to him. And what was his response? Again, I just wanted to read it to you from the message because I'm pretty simple and simple helps me. So um, this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. So Paul's response is to take this revelation and make it his life's work to help people understand and respond to this message. And you know, how Paul responded thousands and thousands of years ago affects all of us. You know, had, had he not become the servant of the gospel, as it says in the NIV, had he not shared this promise in Christ with the Gentiles, then surely we wouldn't be sitting here reading this. And not just because it was Paul who wrote it, but because he and others formed the early church. And remember in verse 1 we read in the NIV, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. You know, Paul actually went to prison for this. When he started telling the Gentiles about this great mystery about God's love, the Jewish fanatics didn't like that. They opposed him. They didn't like him preaching to the Gentiles. So it's important for us as we read this passage today to think about what Paul personally experienced as a result of his commitment to God's revelation. His arrest and imprisonment were a direct consequence of his obedient response. And as I was reading this and thinking about it, there was so much in my head. You know, God's revealed this mystery to us. He's revealed it to me, the secret's out. And like Paul, do I let this revelation of God's grace turn my life upside down? You know, I was asking myself the question, well, what is my life's work? As Paul says here, how do I respond? What do I say to this revelation? And do I trust him with it all? 
God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And it says here in verse 8, And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is being becoming known and talked about even among the angels. So here I am, preaching about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. And I can tell you, never has this been more true than this morning. You know, I need to say to you today, whatever it is God's calling you to, whatever you think your life work is, you're not going to know how to do it. You know, Paul says here, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. And I think there's lots of you who sit here every week and you feel like that. You, you look around the church and you think everyone else knows more than me or, you know, other people are more talented than I am or they've been a Christian longer than me or they're more gifted than me. So what? So what if they are? You feel like you can't do that thing God's whispering you to do. Well, join the club. You know, I'm, I'm in it too. Um, our friends Michelle and Jason and Dungannon Vineyard Church are church planting in Armagh. They're just starting that process. And um, Michelle, had, they put a wee clip on Facebook the other day. And Michelle had just put underneath, excited, expectant, and appropriately scared. And I know that feeling. Church planting is a scary business. But that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need him. So I was just preparing and reading this at the time. So I actually just replied and sent her this verse. Paul says here, God saw to it that I was equipped. God will see to it that they are equipped for that new thing that he's called them to. He's revealed to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and plant the church in Armagh. They're already pretty busy with the church that they've got. But God will see to it that they are equipped. He will give them what they need. And you know, God hasn't called all of us to be church planters, but he has called us to be kingdom planters. You know, we all have people around us. We've got family, friends, people in our work, parents at the school, guys in our sports team, whatever it is you do in your life. Wherever you are, the people you mix with, whether you like it or not, you have influence with those people. And you can plant God's kingdom into your sphere of influence. You can make this extraordinary plan of God known. So what will your response be today? Will you give all of you to share God's great secret? And also when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, what will I give? What will that take? What does that look like to share this great secret? You know, Paul was willing to give up his very freedom. He is a prisoner for Christ. And he tells him here in verse 13, you know, don't be worried about my present sufferings. If that was me, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, hello, I'm in jail here. It's pretty tough. I'm not really liking this. You know, see what I'm going through for the gospel. But for Paul, his life work, the sharing of this mystery, the formation of this church are so important that nothing matters in comparison. 
So what does that mean for me today? What does that mean for you, for us as a church? You know, am I able to say that my love for Christ and my desire to make this grace known are so important that nothing else compares? You know, Paul gave up his freedom for this message. And today my challenge is, what could God be calling on me to surrender? What could he be calling on you to surrender? Maybe it's some of your time, maybe it's some of your money, maybe it's your pride, maybe it's your fear of thinking, I can't do this, maybe it's where you live. You know, just think about what that could be for you. And as I was thinking about this, I just really thought of that song that we've been singing a little bit recently. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you may call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. You know, this isn't just about us as individuals, as I said earlier, although to me this morning this is highly challenging to me as a person. But here again we see highlighted the importance of the church. What Rick Warren said was this magnificent creation. You know, through the church, God's eternal purposes are to be made known. And the implications of these words here in chapter 10 or in verse 10, sorry, are extraordinary. I've put it in NIV and the message. You know, the church is the place that God is drawing together those who are alienated, where outsiders are welcomed in, where we're joined together in love and service. The power of the gospel is revealed when people who would not otherwise give each other the time of day are brought together with a new identity, centered on Jesus and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't know about you, and we've said this in grip sometimes. Sometimes you're sitting in your living room or wherever your grip is, and you just look around and you think, there's no way I'd normally hang out with these people. Like, no offense, because, you know, but you're, we're just so diverse. We're so different. But the thing that brings us together is Christ. And this miracle can only happen through the grace of God. It has really intense spiritual significance. It says here in verse 10, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms recognize the wisdom of God in operation. We are being talked about um, by the angels. It's when we're gathered in churches, through the church, it says here. And it's humbling and exhilarating to think of local churches, of us, of this little place, of Carrickfergus Vineyard, as a picture of what God's going to do in eternity. You know, the church is the visual contact between heaven and earth. And that's why church is so important, but also why it's so difficult. You know, Satan doesn't want the church to live rightly. He doesn't want us to do this well. Because when we do, it shows him that the power and purposes of God are in operation. And as we love one another and live well as the church, the world also sees that we are disciples. And that's why it makes me so sad and sometimes so angry when churches implode or divide or become apathetic. It's so, it's so sad. And that's why when you come here on a Sunday, when you worship, when you pray your heart out to God, when you're pouring out your heart, when you're praying for someone at the front, when you serve someone a coffee, when you chat to someone in the cafe, when you're worshiping with a rocket, when you're making a craft with a sparkler, when you're praying over a tiny and gems, when you're putting up the words, when you're putting out the chairs, when you just show up, you are building the kingdom. 
And that's why Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in the second half of this chapter is so heartfelt. It says, um, following on in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, we may be we may be familiar with the idea of kneeling to pray, you know, little picture of a child kneeling by their bed. But the usual Jewish practice was to stand. And the fact that Paul mentions his body position here highlights to us the fervency of his prayer. It's for the church at Ephesus and it's for us. It's for us as a church. And it's a reminder of the nature and character of God. And as I read this, I was reminded of the worship song, And I Fall Face Down As Your Glory Shines Around. Um, earlier we sang, Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, such a marvelous mystery. You know, like Paul, with reverence, do we think about who it is we're worshiping, who it is we're praying to? And here Paul's praying that the church may experience the power of the Spirit to be strengthened in our inner being. That's our very core. That's our hearts. You know, so much of us, so many of us knew it all up here. We knew all the right answers. We knew how to talk the talk. We knew what to say. But it's about our inner being that we would, it would move from our head to our hearts, from understanding, from knowledge into action, into response. You know, when Christ dwells in our hearts, it changes us from the inside out and we are empowered by the work of the Spirit. Verse 17 to 19, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Remember, this is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. You know, Paul's concern is not only for a personal experience of the love of Christ, but for a corporate understanding of how it affects the life of the church. Because he says in this verse, I pray that you together with all God's holy people. So this prayer is for the church to be the church. All of us together to know God's love. And that's why it's so exciting when I hear what God is doing in life groups. People share and you know that they're caring for one another when someone's bereaved, when they're just opening up the scriptures and it's coming to life for them, when they're, when they're praying for each other. You know, all, it's just so exciting when you hear we buzz going around about life groups and what's happening, having fun together, so much is going on. And we need to do that together. As we're strengthened and empowered by God to live as the church, then we will truly understand the love of Christ. We are filled to the measure of the fullness of God as we are strengthened by the Spirit to live out our divine destiny. And you know, Paul's desire for us here is to attain Christian maturity. In other words, to grow up. This is the word that we feel God gave us as a church at the start of the year. And it goes back to that little picture I had earlier. You know, are we wanting to go deeper in reading scriptures and in many other aspects of our faith? You know, it's fun paddling at the shore and jumping the waves, but are we willing to like 
put on that gear and go deeper and just see the vibrancy and the color and the depth that God has for each and every one of us. And um, I remember when we were in our church in Watford years ago, we went through this season and our pastor Mike said he felt like God was really saying to us, we have to go deeper before we go further. And I was really reminded of that as I was preparing this. I really feel like this is a season for us as a church. You know, we've got so many exciting things we want to do. We want to see God's kingdom come in our time. We want to impact our community. But we have to go deeper ourselves before we can go further. We have to be deeply rooted and found. We have to have our foundations deep. Because when God you know, expands us numerically and all of that. When God brings people to us who maybe are like so broken, we need to have our roots down deep so we can help those people and care for them. You know, if we all truly prayed just these verses, these ones here, if we were all filled to the measure of the fullness of God, what would that look like? Wow, that would be amazing. You know, and as a church, could I really encourage you just to take these verses and just remember them and pray them for one another? You know, we can come along to this series in Ephesians and go, oh yeah, that's lovely. We're really digging deep into the Bible. But if we don't go home and read it, if we don't go home and put it into action, then, you know, what are we really doing? So just encourage you to, you know, to take those ones and pray them over yourself and pray them over your grip and pray them over each other as a church. Just coming into land in the last couple of verses. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You know, sometimes it probably seems pretty impossible, those things I've just shared. You know, we think of our own lives, of the people around us, you know. Some of us might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm really going deeper. I'm not really grasping this love of Christ. And, well, that person sitting next to me or in my life group, they're really not grasping it. Look at the way they're getting on. You know, we, we can't think like that. The world seems a mess. And within the church itself, there's so much pain and brokenness. You know, we're stumbling. We're getting it wrong. We're feeling, you know, we're getting you know, maybe we're disappointed with each other. You know, maybe someone's hurt us. You know, it just seems really hard to live this out, you know, to see this really come to fruition. And these final words of Paul in chapter 3 in his prayer show us that God has already done more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You know, it's God's power within us that does this. We are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. Us as individuals, we're all a work in progress. You know, as a church, we're a work in progress. We don't have all the answers. We're still learning. My head's spinning all the time, trying to work out what's going on. You know that song, um, when we don't know what to do, our eyes will be fixed on you. That's like my mantra. <laughs> I'm fixing my eyes on you, God, because we need him. You know, the power for which Paul prays to be Christ-like is available. It's there. It's at work. And I think as we really begin to dig deep, as we really be, begin to understand the magnitude of the love of God and who we are in Christ, then this power will be seen. And people around us will see what God can do. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in the church, and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, and just um, before a few people were praying and we had a few things that we felt like God was saying, so I just want to tell you them now so that as we sing a final song of worship, you can be like praying and responding in your heart to that. And if if these are you, we'd love to pray for you. And someone felt like there's someone here who's really fearful. Uh, It was actually the word terrified. And God really wants to show you who he is and really bless you. So... If I say that word terrified and your heart starts going a dinger, we'd love to pray for you because God just really loves you and he wants to lift fear. Also, someone had a picture of someone, it's like one of those old-fashioned mangles, you know, that you go through and probably a bit cartoon-like. You'd gone through the mangle, you'd been through the ringer and you were just totally flat, like your whole body was flat. God picks you up and puts you in a hospital bed. He brings you food to sustain you and flowers, which are a symbol of blessing. So if that's you and you feel like that, we'd love to pray. Also, someone a picture of someone crying and you just cried and cried and cried till you could cry no more. It was like you'd gone through a whole box of tissues. There's nothing left. You're just worn out. You're at the end of yourself. Um, You've got no more tears left. God's collected the tears. He's using them. Um, He stored them up and he's pouring them out to water flowers. That's blessing other people. Your tears are not wasted. And finally, someone had a picture of a silver bucket. It's all rusty around the bottom and it keeps leaking. But God just wants to keep on filling. So if any of those are you, we'd love to pray for you. So just be thinking about that as we worship.